0: Uh, It's great Uh, if you're a guest with us. We've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes and uh, looking at uh, wisdom and looking at what Solomon tells us that he was given by God, what wisdom really means, and the fact that sometimes we think wisdom just by itself is the greatest thing to have, and we pursue knowledge when we think it's wisdom, and the reality is it's pursuing God who gives wisdom. And he talks a lot, and he says about the vain things of life or living under the sun. When he says the term under the sun, we remember that's talking about the life we live here. When he talks about those things that are above the sun or, you know, that are higher, then he's talking about our life uh, eternal with the Lord, looking at the things of God. And so... We're going through Ecclesiastes, uh, we're, we're kind of picking up our pace a little bit, and we're looking forward to soon, we'll be uh, uh, chugging through uh, Romans, and uh, we look forward to that opportunity when it comes. But for this morning, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. If you are interested, you can put your finger in Jeremiah 29, and uh, we're going to look that in our intro uh, this morning, uh, but before we do, we will pray and ask God to bless the reading of His Word, and um, in Ecclesiastes uh, nine. So you'll have to listen intently because we'll be talking about Jeremiah twenty nine, and then running back to our our text. I'm not going to read all of for the time for the sake of time and not to get us confused. I'm not going to read all of uh, verses one through six, but he's really talking about our life and that being, uh, having a life that is built on wisdom and with the Lord, or a life that is uh, dealing with just evilness and wickedness and death, uh, it really, we all go to the same place. We all uh, have to deal with death. In the end, we all have to deal with death. The problem is is how you deal with that. If we deal with it with the Lord, there is great gain. If you deal with it just based on, you know, yourself, then you don't have a leg to stand on. Um, if you're just thinking that you, everything in life, uh, you just get everything that you can, the reality is that you're going to have to deal with that the same way that those who are dealing with life in the Lord also. Um, and so, you know, and sometimes we look at evil, we look at good, and we get all frustrated with all the evil around us, and he said, hey, don't worry about it, they are going to have to deal with death. And so we're dealing with a lot of this stuff, but he talks about facing life with joy and hope and enjoying life. In the midst of all these struggles, in the midst of all the things that we see, he talks about it dealing with joy and enjoyment, and it's, it's this oddity, and because he's like, everything is just vain, and everything is meaningless, and all of this, but enjoy life, and so we want to talk about what does that really mean? We want to talk about enjoying life, and so we will look at that briefly. So let's pray and ask God to bless and help us to understand Ecclesiastes, which is a long poem that is sometimes difficult to understand. Lord, we thank you and we praise you because your words are life. We do not understand all the, all the complexities of life. And, and you don't ask us to truly understand everything in the way that you created it. You simply ask us to trust and to fear you, to love you, to follow you. And so, Lord, really help us to understand what you want us to know. These words that you have given us this morning, I pray that you would do that faithful work in our hearts. Help us to not be thinking about our own desires, to translate the word based on what we feel, but, Lord, help us to understand what you want us to know, that we might enjoy and be encouraged by these words of life this morning so we praise you because lord you have made us we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your sight and so lord help us as we learn about living this life that you've given us in jesus name we pray amen verse 7 through 12 in verse 7 is He says this statement after we've seen all the sovereignty, all the fearing, all the the evil, wickedness that's in the world, and and also trying to do what's right in the world. In verse 7 he says, Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white, and let not the oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with with the wife whom you love, all the days of your vain life that he, that is God, has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil in which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might." For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol, that is hell, uh, to which you are going against, and it says, and I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread uh, to the wise, nor the riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to all of them. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are a snare at an evil time, when it is suddenly falls upon them. We look at the world that is filled with things that don't, don't seem right or just. We look at it the times and now, how we currently live, and we say the same thing. Things just don't seem right or just. We're confused. How do we live? How do we, you know, live as a believer? How, does we, how do we live in a non-believing world? We look around the world that contains hardship, suffering, adversity, death, and it can be very depressing. It can be hard to just understand, like, how do we live as believers? And how do we live as a family? You know, and, and we all have different thoughts on all of that. And, and the cool thing is, is what we see about God. And in the context of chapters uh, 7 and 8, we talk and we know that God is really wanting us to learn that He is the sovereign one. That He's the one that ultimately is in control of all things. Uh, Steve Lawson, who a, is a great theologian and preacher, I really enjoy listening to him, a very wise man, and he is very astute, and he made this very easy and, and quick and understanding statement. He says, God has never looked into the future and learned anything. Think about that. How many times do we stare into our future and wonder what things should be like or wonder what, you know, how to deal with things that are going to happen in the future. And my wife knows many times I stare and I study and I fall asleep sometimes, but I'm just, I, just, I, I watch so many, you know, the, the university of YouTube trying to figure out how am I going to deal with, you know, another project that's coming up uh, in life. And, and sometimes I think about how to learn about the future that's going to happen We live that way, but God doesn't live that way. He already knows everything. He doesn't, he already lives in the future and he already has figured everything out. He's not controlled by time. Lawson goes on to say, he said, God is never caught off guard. He's never surprised. We never have to wonder, you know, I wonder what God's going to think about this. Well, he's already thought about that. He's not surprised as we are surprised. You know, what's funny is, is, as we look at this passage in Ecclesiastes, and he says, go be joyful. Go enjoy these things. And in fact, if you remember from the context, if you go back to chapter 8, and you look at verse 15, and he says, I commend joy to, for man has nothing better under the sun to do than to eat and drink and be joyful, for this, is, this will go with him into the toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. We see that God has already commanded this. In fact, if you go through the Bible, you'll see a lot of commands to be joyful or to enjoy God's gift. The big question is how? How? How do we remain joyful when we see all the things that are going on around us? The question is, how do we maintain a joy and a happiness in a world that's filled with trouble and trial? Well, for this illustration, I'd love for us to go to Jeremiah chapter 29. And it's often misquoted, and we use this a lot of times to think about our own life. And we always run to verse 11 when it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And we think, oh, this is great because God wants the welfare. He wants all of these things. But yet we rarely think about the context in which we find this. And so I want to read the context. In verse 3, we know that they've been sent off to Babylon. and, And Jeremiah the prophet is speaking God's word to Israel as they are being detained and they are being forced into slavery and into uh, exile into Babylon. They're no longer control of their own life. They're no longer living free in their own community in Jerusalem. And he says this, he says, the letter was sent by the hand of Elisa and the son of Shaphan and Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, from Zedekiah, the king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and it said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So he's talking to all these exile Jewish people that are in Babylon. Listen to what he says. He's like, this is probably not what you would say to him. He's like, hey, God's coming for you. God's got you. He's going to, you know, he doesn't say all these good things. He says something a little bit different that's still good. And he says this in verse five: He says, build houses and live in them. He says, go about and build houses. Then look, plant gardens and eat their produce. Now, think about it. If you're in exile, you've lost your freedoms and all this kind of stuff, you don't really go out and think about planting gardens, right? It's supposed to be a leisurely, stress-relieving thing and enjoyable thing, right, to produce food for your, you know, family. For me, I just like to see things grow, Uh, whether I can eat them or not. I just, you know, so I I like flowers. I like everything. Garden doesn't have to be fruit, especially a lot of kind of fruit. Doesn't have to, I don't need the fruit or vegetables. The steak is good enough for me. (laughs) But he says, build houses, plant gardens. And then he says, look, take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage. You know, it's amazing during a lot of times of loss of freedoms, during pandemic times, during exile times, during a lot of times of war and famine, and a lot of these times, there are a lot less marriages. There's a lot less births, there are a lot less kids getting married. A lot of times we hear people say, you know, I'm not so sure this is a great time to raise my my kid. This is exactly what was going on. And Jeremiah is telling the people of Israel in Babylon hey, don't do that. Go get married, have kids, have them get married, build houses. Then look at what he says he says, multiply there, do not decrease. Verse seven, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. God has sent them into exile. God is training up his people. God is disciplining his people, but it's also preserving his people. And he says, seek the welfare of the city where you're at. He's literally telling them, don't cause problems there. Seek the welfare of that city. Isn't that kind of interesting? Now I know from different guys that have gone through SARS or or not SARS, I'm sorry, Sears training and you know, when you're in the military and you're taken in and you're in captivity, your, your first and foremost job is disinformation. And then the second job is do everything to disrupt. And the third job is to escape. So you guys got your basic concept. You know, this is like you fill your mind with all of those things. That's basic what we would think of when we're in captivity. And yet he's saying, no, seek the welfare of where you're at. Well, that goes along with building a house, you know, planting gardens. Because how many, when you're in exile, how many, how much of your produce do you think that you will, you are going to eat, right? If you build gardens and plant gardens, how many, how many times do you think the captives or the place where you're at are going to take advantage of what you are doing for their benefit, right? Right? That's what was going on. And he says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Pray to the Lord for that city's behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Literally what God is saying is, just because you are in captivity, just because you have lost your freedoms, just because all these things are going on, Keep living, and as you live, live for the benefit of the city. Pray for the benefit of that city, and because as they are benefited, as I bless that city, as you are there, you will also benefit from that blessing. But that doesn't, when we think about our rights, and we think about what we want in life, and how we live in life, and we focus on a lot of things, we don't always Think this way when we look at the problems we face in life. Then he said this: He says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts in verse 8, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they are dreaming. And it's interesting, he calls them dreams. They're not, he's like, I didn't give it to them. It's just a dream. And he says, For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name, and I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise, and I will bring you back to this place. Talking about Jerusalem. And he says, then, he says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans Into exile. This promise is directly to Israel in that time. We can learn a lot from it. We can learn a lot about living our life right now. In times that we don't like. When we're faced with things and circumstances that we don't like. And we can learn, and God is teaching them some great principles. And, And this, in fact, he's giving them this idea of living life to, the, to God's fullest and what God has given them and prepared for them. And, and we know that God fulfilled this promise as God gathered all the, the nation of Israel back to Jerusalem. And as we look at our text, we realize that there's a call to some very important things in our life. And that there are these things as we look at and we see parallels to what God was calling of Israel in the book of Jeremiah. In our verses that we read this morning in chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, we see this, and that is, there's a call to actively live with the fear of God and His sovereignty controlling us. Realizing that it's God's sovereignty and everything that he's doing for us, it's his plan, it's his desires. He knows what he's doing. Even though we know that the people around us don't always know what they're doing. They think they know. They think they can see the future. They think that they can stave off death. And we know that that's not true. That's going to come to all of us. And we don't need to fear death because we know what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. He's given us a new way of thinking. He's given us victory because he had victory over death because of his life. It's a call to actively live in an awe of the, of the Lord, to have hope in God. We can see in, in verse 1 of chapter 9 and we can see in verse 4 of a hope that we can have in Ecclesiastes 9 to actively live and realize that God is in control, even though we are not. There's also this call in our life to not be so focused on death, but to experience and enjoy the gifts of God. God wants us to enjoy life. He has given us the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ to enjoy life, and we're going to talk more about that at the end. But it's this call to enjoy, verse uh, verse 15 of chapter eight, he literally said that. verses one through six, he doesn't want us to focus on death, but he wants us to focus on what he has given us. He gives us gifts. Yes, yes, death is coming to all of us, but God gives us gifts and He wants us to enjoy them while we are living. He doesn't want us to be a bunch of party poopers, right? You know, you know, you've seen those cartoons, or you've seen people running around. Death is coming. You know, Chicken Little. The sky is falling, right? We see it right now in which we live, don't we? The sky is falling. I love this because I mean, uh, it was great because people are like, "Oh, Pastor, you must be tired. You spoke at the Father Son retreat, and it was I think Raul talked more than I did. <laughs> There's a few witnesses here. <laughs> so I knew Raul and I were kindred spirits. <laughs> so, but it, it was great because there were so many people that were struggling with fears and frustrations and anger and looking at what was going on around us. And, and we were like, no, just trust the Lord. Enjoy what God has given you. And I was listening to, to Raul and I was like, he's preaching my message from, for Sunday. Uh, I almost told him to come up and preach it, but I didn't want to make his heart sink and drop. <laughs> I was afraid I might have to do CPR on him. But <laughs> Ecclesiastes 9, and Paul is, is, or, uh, Solomon is telling us, those that live in the fear of the Lord, those that look at God as the sovereign ruler of all, those that have put their faith and trust in the Lord, He's calling us to live enjoyment. Not to be party poopers. Not to run around. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, you know or not you know fear de- you know death is coming and we're gonna die and the world is gonna collapse and all these kind of things. And yes, those things might happen, but that's not how he wants us to live life. We also see that there's a call a call to enjoy life does not grant permission. Right? It's not granting us permission to live a self seeking indulgence. He's not saying, all right, now go enjoy life and seek and indulge yourself in every form of pleasure, right? So don't be afraid that pastor's going to get up here and preach prosperity gospel and say, you know, go live your best life now, right? No, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, if we think about our text in verses 7, 8, 9, and 10, that the things that God tells us to enjoy. Right? It's not a list of exotic pleasures. It's not a list of, of property. It's not a list of actually a lot of emotional pleasure. And ex- these. But it's a common experiences for all of us. Common experiences in our home. In our life. God doesn't want us... This is not... Solomon's not saying go out and just be self-seeking and indulge yourself in every you know, thing under the sun. We know that because of chapter 2 and chapter 5. He, says, he said, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 2 and Ecclesiastes 5, that's how I live my life and it brought nothing, no meaning to my life. Basically, we know pleasure for the sake of pleasure provides no value to our life. It doesn't give us a personal relationship with the Lord. It doesn't lead us to the Lord. We know that a life of wealth and possession doesn't guarantee happiness. Those things don't provide real enjoyment. We also note that in those chapters that in enjoyment is not to be based on perfect circumstance. We don't have to have Perfect circumstances to have enjoyment. We don't have have to have perfect circumstances to be able to praise God and to rejoice and to celebrate. To praise the Lord. We don't have to have perfect circumstances to enjoy work or to enjoy our families or to enjoy the things. We don't have to have a perfect past to enjoy our life. People often say you have to find perfect pleasure to cover up your past, to enjoy your future life. That's all vain. We don't have to have certain situations to change the pleasures, enjoyment of our life, and events. We don't have to have a perfect environment to enjoy our life. Rather. This is an invitation. God is giving us this invitation to enjoy life to the fullest while being content with what God has given. While realizing God is supreme over every human limitation. God is supreme while all of us are limited. Even despite all of our limitations and all of our planning and all of our failures, It doesn't change God's purpose and plan. So how do we face life? It's very simple. We make it more complicated than it really is. In verse 7, it literally says, Go, while going, go, eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already approved what you do. You know, it was a Jewish custom it's kind of still the same in Europe, it's not the same here in the United States, but it's this custom of, you know, you eat when you wake up, you break the fast, and then you have a snack, some, and, uh, and a brunch between noon, somewhere, you have this kind of snack, and then you have, uh, they would eat kind of this lunch, but then they would have their main meal at sunset, sometime after the sun went down. And oftentimes in Europe, you, would, you have, especially Spain, you have tapas, right? Tapas being uh, these little little finger foods, so then that way you can, you know, hold on until supper came or until after late night dinner, and often we'd eat at 9 o'clock at night. But the idea here is, is how do we face life? He's telling us, basically, enjoy a relaxing meal, The Jewish custom was this. You'd eat the snacks, you'd eat your breakfast, you'd eat your brunch, and then at sunset, you would eat this main meal. And the main meal was after all the work was done. It was, go relax and enjoy yourself. He's saying, God is saying, look, go enjoy and relax and enjoy your meal. Sometimes it was custom that you would eat bread and wine. Often it was milk and cheese Sometimes it was a few vegetables, and and they still eat this way uh, in Israel. And I lost a lot of weight while I was there. Uh, There wasn't a lot of meat. Sometimes we had fish. But the idea was, was this idea of celebration. Solomon knew, by the way, that not all meals were enjoyable. Otherwise, he wouldn't have written Proverbs 15 and verse 17, in which he said this, Better is a dinner with herbs... Where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. He's basically saying this, it's better to eat broccoli than to eat the best ribeye steak you can get if there's not love there, right? He's like, you, why go out and, and, and hate each other and eat a steak when you can have just a bunch of salad and actually just love each other? Now, And so he knew not all meals were created equal. But meals with love are enjoyable. Proverbs 17.1 says, "Better is a dry morsel." Literally, it means dried, crusty bread. Right? Better is a dry morsel with quietness. Some of you can relate. You know, you go to not at our house. You don't relate there. It's not quiet. Then a house full of feasting with strife. But what he's talking about is quietness in your heart. And he's not talking about just being quiet. He's talking about when there's strife and anger. It's not, that's not good to eat that way. See, meals for, in the Bible times were meant about in the evening. You, breakfast was not always together. Lunch was not always together. But at dinner or supper, it was a joyful festive occasion to, to fellowship together, to love on one another. It was family time. It was a, a communal act of joy and contentment and being committed to one another. This idea is, is, is God says, Look, I have given you a, this gift to enjoy whatever you have together at the end of the day to relax. He says, Enjoy it. The second thing he says to enjoy is in verse 8. And, it, and it, it's kind of hard to understand if you don't know the, the biblical customs. But he says, enjoy life with, he says, let your garments and be always white and let not oil be lacking on your head. That sounds odd. But he's saying, really, he's saying, enjoy all occasions. So perfectly white clothes were kept if you, had, if you were basically really rich, a lot of your clothes were white and then adorned with maybe a purple sash, a yellow sash, or with some kind of color, but you, they wore a lot of white. Because you can imagine during the Bible times, if you wore white in that dry desert climate, what was going to happen? You're gonna get dirty. You don't come to the Decker farm and wear white. It's just not a good thing. Uh, there's going to be a lot of mud all over you, right? But here, you'll find out that, you know, how dirty you really got. But here's the thing is, is he's saying, so the idea, when you went to a party, you put on white garments and you would adorn your, yourself with oil. A lot of times it was cedar oil. We were talking about this yesterday. As we were cut, as uh, they were demonstrating cutting slabs of cedar off, Jim walks over and grabs the cedar, and he goes like this, and he starts rubbing it. He's like, I'm putting on my perfume. <laughs> I was watching. <laughs> but that's what they're talking about here. He's saying, you put on, put on your white clothes, all the occasions in your life, put on the cedar oil, put on the, that annoying oil, enjoy every aspect of what God has given you. The counter aspect of this is all the black clothes and, and color had great significance in Bible time. White was for celebrating and black was for mourning and then there was everything in between. Enjoy all your occasions. That's why Philippians 4.4, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your garments be white. It's making every occasion a special occasion. Right? Don't just, you know, he's not telling him, he's not saying that you have to physically put on your white garments every single day. What he's saying is let every occasion in your life be special. That's the general idea. And then he gets to verse 9. Enjoy your marriage. It might seem weird getting marriage advice from Solomon, right? Because all of his wives wrecked his relationship with the Lord. And here he is. Enjoy your marriage. You know, if you don't know, between his, between his concubines and his wives, he had over a thousand women living around him. I don't know how wise he really was, but... <laughs> But enjoy your marriage, he's saying. And it's in the singular, which is very interesting. He's, now he's finally getting it, right? He, everything he's saying here in, in verse 9, enjoy, enjoy life with the wife, singular, whom you love, all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. He's not saying that your life with your wife is vain. Don't miss it. <laughs> He's saying that while you still draw breath, this vapor, while you're living under the sun, while you still draw breath, enjoy your wife. We tend to think of happiness is only found in, in what we don't have, but happiness or enjoyment is really found in what we already have. Literally, he's pointing back, he says, enjoy what you really have. That's why in Proverbs 5, 15 through 18, Solomon gives us this wise saying. He says, drink water from your own cistern. What? That's not, well, you know, what is he talking about? You know, drinking from his own well? Yes, but he's using it as an illustration. He says, flowing water from your, the flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Drink from the relationship of your wife. Don't share that special relationship with anybody else. He said drink from it often. Go to that well. Enjoy your marriage. It's work don't get caught up in what you don't think you have right it's like uh ulysses you know the hero the hero from homer's uh, great uh odyssey the story of the odyssey and uh, you know the sirens that were singing the great song and wooing everybody and 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 he says that he went and he said Put wax in all the sailors' ears, tie themselves to the mast, telling his men to keep him on course. Whatever he yelled, don't listen to anything, just keep giving, uh, don't give in to any beautiful thing that you hear. You see, they're dangerous. He's saying, Solomon is saying the same thing here in the fact that your marriage commitment, your oath before God, keep yourself tied to that mast in your life. Enjoy your marriage. It's a gift from the Lord. And the last thing he says is enjoy your work. Did you see that in in verse 10? Whatever your hand do that can find to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom, and she'll to which you're going eventually when we die, and, and, and if people go to hell, there's they're not going to work, they're just going to be tormented for the rest of eternity. And he said, if you die and you go to and if you give yourself to the, to the Lord and he saves and if he saved you from your sins and you, and you have that relationship with the Lord and you live for the rest of eternity in heaven, there's no work there, there's just worship and enjoyment. The Jews, and in Bible times, they saw work as a stewardship, as a gift from God. Do you see your work that you're doing right now as a gift from the Lord, or is it torment? (laughs) It depends on who you're worshiping. It depends on where you believe your job came from. Do you view it as a gift of the Lord? That's what Solomon's talking about. This this verse gives us a great worth ethic. It emulates in Colossians 3.17. And it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the Father through him. And that's really the idea. Enjoy the meal. Enjoy every occasion that God has given you. Enjoy the marriage that God has given you. Enjoy the work that God has given you. Every one of these things, God is telling you, hey, hey, When I give you something, enjoy it to the fullest. It's not about seeking things or seeking what you don't have. Right now you may think, well, man, I don't have this freedom or I don't have this or that. And you put all your mind towards all of these things that you don't have. You will not be content. You will not have confidence in your life. You will be frustrated with your life. Where's your confidence? Is it in what God... It got, Solomon's saying, enjoy. God wants us to enjoy our life. He's saying, I'm going to give you these things for pleasure in your life. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink... Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to the Jew or the Greek or to the, to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that, many, that of many that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am imitating Christ. Whatever we do, do it as a worship, out of worship to the Lord. Whether you're working, whether at home, whether, whatever you find yourself, you have, because of Christ, the ability to enjoy life. John 14, right? Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. He told his disciples, he tells us, he says, I came to give you life and life to the Fullest. He wants us to enjoy the life that he gives. Are you praising God for his gifts? It's hard to live life when we focus on everything that we don't have or everything we want or everything that everybody else is doing wrong. We will never enjoy that life. But if we start looking at everything that God gives us, we can enjoy it. Even if the truck or car or horse and buggy that God gives you, whatever it is, if it breaks down, he still gave it to you, right? He knew it was going to break down. Or if it gets stolen, he knew it was going to get stolen. It's still his. He still provided it, right? Where's your enjoyment come from? John 14. Remember in Jeremiah 29, they had said, hey, I sent you there And I want you to keep living life. John told, in John 14, Jesus tells us this very same promise for us. Except we right now are living in exile. We are in Babylon. We're not in some great country. We we have a great country. I'm not saying that. I'm not anti-patriotic. But here's the thing. This is not our home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. He is going, he went to heaven to prepare, and he's coming back to take us there. Right? Enjoy whatever he gives you now because it's gonna whatever later on, he will come back and he the plans. Right now that he's given us, he says, live the life, build our homes, get married, have kids, enjoy the food that he gives you, whatever little food it is, it doesn't matter, enjoy it, right? Enjoy the chocolate, right, Eleanor? That's right. (laughs) Just a little bit of it, not every meal, right? Because God's coming back to bring us home right? He loves us. He loves us. I have four questions, and then I'm done. Have you exchanged leisurely, enjoyable meals for fast food in fast schedules? It's hard to enjoy what God has given you if that, you know, that's true. Have you exchanged enjoying all occasions for living for just the weekend? Have you exchanged a faithful, loving marriage for a cheap emotional thrill? Whether it be a rom-com. That's a romantic comedy for you older ones. I just learned that this year. (laughs) So, is it just, you know, what the world says romance is all about? Or you know, what we think TV or reading things or seeing things or looking at things. Number four, have you exchanged hard work for shortcuts to help you avoid work and to run after get rich quick schemes? The reality is this Are you satisfied with God? Are you satisfied with God? Because when we're satisfied with God, we live with great joy because he has given us much more than we ever can imagine. He loves us more than we can imagine. We are more blessed because of God than we are because of anything that we could do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this wonderful message that you want us to enjoy all good things. Help us not to get tripped up over ourselves, tripped up over the world, our government, tripped up over evil things that we see, our flesh, our desires, sometimes our wants, the things that we see, our emotions, our circumstances. Help us to simply trust you trust you with all our heart, not to lean on our own understanding. Lord, help us to intimately choose to acknowledge you every day, to acknowledge you and allow you to straighten out our paths. May we fear you and not fear the things around us. May we realize that you have loved us with an everlasting love, so much so that you gave your son to pay for our sins, to pay for our, our evil things that we do. We're not perfect. Lord, You are. You told us that You said, Jesus, You said that You are the way, the truth, and the life. You come. Everyone comes only to the Father through Him. Lord, may we simply Realize that we are sinners and we need to be saved from that sin. And you gave us a gift, the gift of your Son who died on the cross for our sins. And Lord, and that when we call upon you and say, Lord, save us, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to save us and to unite us to your family, to adopt us into your family. We were dead in our sins, but you made us alive through the Lord Jesus Christ and that gift, that sacrifice he made on our behalf. May that reality, if we make that decision today or we have made that decision in the past and we've responded to you, to your salvation, Lord, may we live that way with great joy and enjoy our life because it is a gift from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.